Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hey, everybody. I hope you are having a fantastic day today. Thank you so much for joining me on my 10th episode. This episode is about support groups. Now, I just have to say some things that I've seen, and I really really hope, and I think I say this in every podcast, but I hope that it helps and I hope that you know that what I'm saying is not to criticize, it is not to put down, or it's not to maybe point out something you're doing wrong, but it is to help, help with healing, help you in your direction. So that's the reason why I felt this was super crucial to bring up. So I am a part of a couple of support groups that talk about, you know, being single, that talk about being divorced. And I think that if you have a great support group, it can really, really help you. But I just have to say, you guys, I have been so disappointed. I have been almost like depressed. I read some of the things that are posted in there. And I seriously, I have like a great life. I'm a very positive person, but even when I read these things, it gets me down. So imagine what it would do to someone in the middle of the situation, in the middle of the divorce. I'm a part of it just because I want to help. Just because I also, it's kind of not a social experiment, I shouldn't say that, but it's also just to see sometimes there are norms, there are subjects that come around. Subjects that maybe I can go back and and learn about a little bit more. How can I help this particular issue that seems to be pervasive uh, among the group that seems to come out? Does that make sense? That seems to be popular. Like a lot of themes cycle through. And so it just kind of helps me with my work and how I help people. Lately, I've read some of the most depressing comments. I have to take myself out of one particular group. And uh, one of the comments was, I wish I could have him back, referring to her ex-husband, but that he wouldn't be depressed and that he would love me. After I read that, I just thought, this poor woman is caught up in her own thinking that got her in that place in the first place, and she's hallucinating. And guess what? We all do it. When we've gone through a breakup and, and we're still at that stage of wanting them back, it is totally normal to hallucinate and feel like our relationship was better than it actually was. Or you think back and there actually wasn't that many good times, but you start making them up in your head. You start building that person you were with as better than they were. Okay? So that's fairy tale. That's hallucination. And that's why one of my steps in coaching, one of my first steps in coaching is demystifying the relationship. So what does that mean, demystifying the relationship? Well, let's talk about what it really was like. Let's talk about the facts. Let's get over it. Does that make sense? I want to talk a little bit about the science behind why negative groups and, you know, when we consciously are going back to victim mode 
when we're consciously talking about this is what happened and this is the story, this is the story of why I'm a victim over and over and over, you're reliving the trauma. You are having the triggers over and over and over. It's so how do you get over that if you are constantly sharing those things? Now you may be thinking, well, who are you going to share it with? This coach, Emily person, doesn't think you should ever share your hard times. No, that is not what I'm saying. Um, you can share those. Do you have a best friend? Do you have a sister? Do you have a God that you can share those things with? Of course, we're human. And I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking on, on the way to healing. We've got we've to move out of our own thinking because our thinking of God is there in the first place. Our survival brain. Our brain doesn't want us to be happy. Our brain wants us to survive. We got to pay a little bit more attention to our heart. Anyway, I'm getting off to topic. So back to the science of why a bad group or negative group or downward pulling group is bad for you. Or maybe the leaders of the group. Who's directing the group? What direction is the group going in? I'm going to point out a very famous study. Now, you may have heard of the study. It was done by Stanley Milgram. He was a social psychologist at Yale University around 1961. And the reason he wanted to do this experiment was it was during a very popular World War II trial of Adolf Eichmann. He was one of the generals that led so many people to their deaths. And he claimed the reason he did it was he was merely following orders. Of course, luckily, that didn't work, and he was hanged. Um, but that's where this famous experiment started from. So he recruited 40 male volunteers. He came up with a fake electric shock-type device, where on it, you could see the beginning was slight shock, marked to dangerous, marked to XXX, so basically, the voltage on there was low to high, going up to 400 volt or 450 actually volts. Then the volunteers drew straws, who would be the teacher, who would be the learner. And, you know, the whole thing was fixed so that the actors that Stanley Milgram had would be able to conduct this experiment. So the Volunteers, though, had no idea it was fake, okay? And so they were all the ones behind this electric shock machine, and they were instructed to give the shock to these people wired up to this machine if they got the wrong answers. Supposedly, they were supposed to have studied these series of questions, so when they were administering the questions and the learners would get them wrong, they were instructed to give them a shock, starting with the low volt and going and going and going all the way to 450 volts, which could possibly kill a person. So the actors were really doing good at acting. Every time they got a shock, they would scream and cry or whatever. And, uh, the participants of this survey, when they didn't want to continue, the um, other people who were actors 
told them four different things. The first one would be, please continue. So they had these little directives that they would tell them. The other, the next one was, the experiment requires you to continue. The next one is, it's absolutely essential that you continue. And the last one was, you have no choice but to continue. So here's the results of this, all right? Two-thirds ended up delivering the maximum 40, 450 volt shock. And sadly, all administered 300 volts. This teaches us a big thing about group dynamics. Now, there was a lot of things discovered by this and different things such as when the authority figures seem to be experts, um, you're more likely to go forward with it. You're more likely to follow. When you don't have strong um, followers who would speak up and maybe rebel or or be a role model for, hey, I'm not going to do this, then you're more likely to, you know, <laughs> pull the trigger, so to speak. Um, there were other things that they that they found. But the thing is, is that people will, in those type of situations, they will lower themselves down to just do what other people are doing. Okay, this guy down, down the hall is administering the shock. I guess I will too. It just showed so much about social influence and conformity. Another study that I thought was really cool found that if you blindfold students, hand them a rope, tell them it's tug-of-war time, people, and tell them to pull as hard as they can, if they think they're part of a group, they'll actually pull less hard than if they were by themselves. And that's called social loafing. All right. Um, there's another term that's called group polarization, which basically means, you know, the group's views, beliefs, inclinations, things like that, they will enhance and grow stronger in a group, of course. So this can create the us versus them. This can really fuel a lot of hate. This can really fuel victim and victimization. And guess what is super great? at polarizing groups. The internet. We've all seen it. Like-minded people get together. That's where all of our support groups seem to be now, unfortunately. So we don't meet together. We just hide behind our screens. We share the worst parts of us and, and hope that it gets better. Now, not all of them are like that. I know I'm just kind of going off, right? I want to tell you a little bit about uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Program. Oh my goodness, if you've heard of this program, please go to it. You, you don't have to be an addict to go to it either. It is so good for any type of recovery. The steps, yes, are modeled after AA, but not really, because so much of the gospel of Jesus Christ in healing is incorporated in each step. My parents are missionaries right now in this program, and my mom was telling me some interesting things as we were talking about support groups. And she says, in this group, they have been trained to lead the group to stay away from talking about their past, to stay away from negativity, to stay away from that victim mindset and to exert all their efforts into the recovery and into the discussion of healing. 
I just thought that was really interesting. And as you meet together in person and you're talking about your healing, things that work for you, yeah, a few things will come, you know, from the past a little bit, but how you got through it, what did it take? What was it that was in you that helped you get through it? That's what's empowering and that's what's exciting. Because if you're the victim of abuse or if you have experienced trauma in some way, your brain is damaged. You need help. And what happens too with that damaged brain or that trauma? And I've talked to a lot of psychologists who've said this, that people with big trauma, you need to really know that as a therapist, because if they're sitting in a session talking through it, it actually works as a terrible trigger for them to even talk about it. So there's ways uh, that therapists who are very trained in trauma address things. And one of them is to not go back and rehash your past over and over and over. And so that can happen when you're behind the computer in a support group that is just negative thinking. And then you're just kind of polarized within the group. You do things you wouldn't normally do. You're like, yeah, you're right. Oh, that sucks. And this, that. And then you're left with a terrible feeling. So what's the solution, folks? Well, we want to do both. We want to know and recognize our individual traits and qualities. What got us out? What is it in your past? What quality? What's something great about you that helped you overcome? What is it inside you? Okay, so we take our individuality and we couple it with groups. We get our support group. We get our support system, our close friends and family who we totally trust, our church group, our friends who uplift us. And that's the way we go. When we're completely bogged down by the past, nothing positive can happen. There's no letting go there. So we want to take both things. We want to take our individuality and strong group, positive group situations. But we've got to recognize. So please do me a favor. If you are a part of a support group, think about it. Is this pulling you up? Is this making you better? Is this getting you out of your head? Is this taking you to exciting, new, uplifting adventures in your life? I hope it is. I really, really do. If not, leave the group. Call me. Email me. My email is coachemilysanchez at gmail.com. You guys, I hope you have a really awesome day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at coachemilysanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.